You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. everyone and welcome to Radio Maria Canada's The Health Hub. The producer of our show is Alex Diaz and I am your host Kathy Biasse. Unfortunately today's show is being taped so no opportunity for calling in. We would love to have you follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook and we are at The Health Hub RMC on all locations and do feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca if you have any questions, if you'd like to contact our guest today, uh, Matt Odie, or would like more information on him. Uh, he is a wonderful, wonderful human, and I think you're really going to enjoy the show today. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub, that's one word, on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, and your favorite pod- podcast platforms. And you can also find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is Kathy. Uh, we have on our show today a young man named Matt Odie. And as you will hear uh, when you listen to the show, he is an inspiration for all. Um, from cancer to coma, at the age of 24, Matt was diagnosed with stage 3C testicular cancer. And by the age of 25, he was in a two-week non-induced coma, where he faced multiple near-death experiences, having to relearn to live his entire life again. Through years of perseverance and hard work, Matt is now a keynote inspirational speaker and cancer advocate mentor, sharing his message and story to help individuals transform their setbacks into their superpowers, while teaching them how to create an impactful story and message to share to the world. If you are a listener, a longtime listener to the show, just his bio resonates with so many things that I talk about, sharing your story, being brave, being vulnerable, so many things that have such an impact on other people's lives. Uh, We don't know to the extent what other people are suffering. So by telling our stories, uh, we never know who will influence. So uh, Matt is just a wonderful, wonderful person, and I really hope that you do stay tuned and listen to the show. We will be talking about Matt's journey with testicular cancer and how he transformed um, his, his diagnosis, his experience into a life of service, and how Matt continues to deal with the challenges. Um, you know, he's very real. There's still setbacks that he endures. But he has a wonderful way and um, ideology of how to deal with these setbacks. So everybody, I do hope you stay tuned with us. Matt is a wonderful, wonderful person, and I really do think that you will enjoy this show. We'll be back in a few minutes. I woke up this morning, saw a world full of trouble now, I thought. How do we ever get so far down and how's it ever gonna turn around? So I turned my eyes to heaven. I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty, children sold into slavery. The thought disgusted me, so I shook my fist at heaven. I said, God, why don't you do something?
us to do something I'm so tired of talking about how we are God's hands and feet But it's easier to say than to be Live like angels of apathy We tell ourselves It's alright, somebody else will do something You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. As mentioned, today's show is once again being taped, so no opportunity for calling in. Um, but if you have any questions for Matt that we don't get answered or things that sort of pop into your head that uh, haven't been covered, uh, we'll give you all the social sites for him after the show. And of course, you can always email us. And please, again, do follow us on our social sites. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on all three locations. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Oh, no, thank you for having me. I'm uh, excited to share a little bit of my journey, uh, more or less the lessons I've learned to your amazing community today. So thank you. Oh, no, you know, what? it's 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 inspiring as everyone will come to here to have people like you on the show. So let's get right at it because you are walking the walk, you're talking the talk. And let's give, you know, a really good insight uh, for people to understand your history and where you're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. So quick overview and we can get more into detail. I'm 29 years old now from Cleveland, Ohio. At 24, I was diagnosed with the highest stage of testicular cancer. The cancer had basically spread all over my body. Um, Doctors at the time um, found an 11 centimeter tumor in my small intestine. And I was a healthy personal trainer working out every day, eating the right food. So, you know, I was probably the last person anybody thought I would get sick. But, um, you know, as I always say, Cancer does not discriminate mm-hmm. um, anybody at any point in time, um, no matter how healthy you are, how what age you're at, um, you know, wherever you're at in life. And um, it definitely took a 180 in my life. And, uh, you know, I went through chemotherapy, um, you know, and then after chemotherapy, I had many, many near-death experiences um, from going into a two-week non-induced coma to complete kidney and liver failure. I was in ICU for over 40 days. I went into cardiac arrest uh, one week out of my coma. I dropped from 185-pound personal trainer to 110 pounds in less than eight months, having to completely relearn to walk and relive my life again. I had five major surgeries 
in a matter of 30 days. The last one was called an open wound surgery where they couldn't close my skin back up. So I had to leave a football size mesh that took a full year to heal. And, um, you know, for two years after cancer was just as much of a journey for me because I had to recover physically, emotionally, mentally, And, um, you know, it's just been a consistent journey of setbacks after setbacks after setbacks. But one of my favorite sayings in life is everything in life happens for you, not to you. And what I mean by this is we are going to get unfair or um, unexpected news in our lives. And we can take that news and we can look at it two different ways. We can say, why is this happening to me? Making excuses, blaming other people, blaming God or whatever you believe in. Or you can take the exact same scenario and say, how is this happening for me? How is this a lesson that I can grow into a better version of myself, even though I may not know how yet, but how can I go into a better version of myself? And more importantly, how can I use it to help and impact other people? And I've really lived my life um, through that little saying. And every time now that I have some type of setback, some type of challenge in my life, I look at it as an opportunity instead of becoming a victim of the situation. And yes, don't get me wrong, I have many down days. I had many down days, and we can get into all of that um, here in in the episode. But, um, you know, I just want to let people know that your setbacks are truly a setup for something greater in your life. So that's a little um, quick overview of my story. And, um, you know, we can kind of get into any details you want about it. Yeah, I'm just, I just started reading uh, a book, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And in the foreword, um, Nietzsche, Nietzsche, uh, Nietzsche, Nietzsche, you know, say that name. I'm not sure. Nietzsche, mm. I think it is. Yeah. Um, anyways, um, he, he quotes him saying, he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. And, um, you know, that, that I, I was reaching for my book as you were talking. I didn't prepare for that. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been through cancer as well. I have not been through um, to the degree and severity that you have endured. And just again, you're 29 and this happened when you were 24? Yeah. So okay. how the doctors kind of figured it all out was um, I started getting minor back pains throughout the summer. And, um, as I was getting those minor back pains, um, you know, they got worse and worse and worse. And one night I was over at my girlfriend's house. We had only been dating by the way, for two months at the time. And I just started puking up blood, got rushed to the emergency room. They did a blood test on me, found out I lost two thirds of the blood circulating in my body, which is equivalent to being shot with a gun. And that's where I got, um, immediately got six bags of blood, got rushed into an emergency surgery. And the next morning, the doctor, I, I thought it was over because I thought it was an ulcer that was, was really causing the bleeding. I'm ready to go home. I'm thinking everything's good. It's just me and my parents at the time. And that's when the doctor walked in. He sat down with me. And as soon as I saw it in his eyes, I knew there was a lot more going on. And he, he grabbed my hand. And he said, Matt, we, we found an 11 centimeter tumor in your small intestine. And we have to rush you to the main campus of the Cleveland Clinic immediately, which is, thank goodness, one of the top hospitals in the country. Isn't it funny how, I mean, so many things that you're saying are resonating with me. Um, I had uh, my husband with me for a lot of my journey. You seem to, your girlfriend was with you for a lot of it. And I always looked for expressions. I looked in their, their eyes. Uh, That was the first, my first cue. It's funny when you say, you know, you saw the expression in his eyes. Um, It's amazing. The emotional as well as the physical tool that going through something like you have been through can take on a person. Um, let's get into talking about, you know, the, the, phys- the, physical, um, the physical injury, the physical suffering that you have had um, obviously has been extreme. How does that compare with the emotional side of things? Yeah, um... Honestly, okay, so they're both extremely challenging for many reasons. You know, um, if you want me to start on the emotional side real quick. So when I first got diagnosed, um, I remember looking over at my parents. They were crying. And for some reason, maybe it was my shock or being a guy, um, I was holding in my emotions. And I'll tell you right now, that is the worst thing I could have done. And, and you know, women... Um, You are a lot better at this, at expressing your emotions. I will say that, and I will give you so much credit. And I truly believe for us men, when we hold in 
um, difficult moments in our life, challenging things. Every single day we hold that in, it's like an extra pound of weight put on our shoulder, whether it's PTSD, whether it's anxiety, whether it's stress, whether it's depression, and all of that adds up to more emotional and mental baggage in our lives. And for me, um, the day I was able to release a lot of that was the day that I found out that um, Lauren was going to stick by me throughout this entire journey, because that was about a couple of days later. She had already found out the news, but I hadn't seen her in a couple of days. I finally got shift off to the um, ICU in the Cleveland Clinic. And when I saw her, I was nervous because it was only, you know, two months of dating. And if she, she wanted to leave, I, you know, I mean, that's a lot of burden to put on somebody. And she was the total opposite. We basically, you know, started crying, um, hugging. And, and I'm telling you, when I released those emotions, it was like, so much weight lifted off my shoulder. And that's why I want to tell a lot of men and even some women out there um, is when you're willing to, you know, share with what you're going through with even just one person that you can trust or you can relate to, it is going to help you so much because you cannot fight these battles alone, the physical, the emotional, the mental side of, of cancer. And um, I knew right then and there, I needed that support through her, through my parents, through my friends. And um, it allowed me to then stay focused on what can I accomplish today? Instead of constantly worrying what could potentially happen in the future, which is going to cause anxiety or what had happened in the past, which can cause more PTSD. And um, it allowed me to say, okay, I know this is going to be a, a massively physical journey and challenge ahead of me, but how do I focus on winning the day? How do I focus on one thing a day that I need to do? So when I went on the chemotherapy, which is as soon as I got to the clinic, they did you know, tests for, you know, a couple of days, you know, they probably did like 50 tests on me to figure out that it was testicular cancer because they didn't know right away. And then I went immediately on what's called BEP, which is bleomycin etoposide and cisplatin. And that is five rounds of extremely intense drugs. And, um, you know, within a week, I was so fatigued, nauseous, everything. And that's where I needed to rely on number one, my faith, number one, or number two, my support. And then number three, just having that determination to focus on being present in what I can, um, what, what I can do today. I think that's a, a big thing that people kind of undermine is like they get too ahead of themselves and they don't, they don't focus on where they need to go um, in the moment and it can get caught up and that's what can cause a lot of the, the stress. So um, that was difficult physically because I mean, I couldn't get out of bed most days. I couldn't, couldn't really even, you know, eat much at all, all of those things through chemo. But, um, you know, where the real physical journey came was what's after chemotherapy. And, you know, if you want me to talk about that right now, I can do that. Sure, go ahead. Okay. So, so after chemo, you know, when um, I sat down with my oncologist, he basically told me, all right, Matt, we have good, we have really good news and we have bad news. Your good news, your tumor is shrunk from 11 centimeters to three centimeters. I'm like, that's awesome. Um, you know, what could be the bad news? And he said, the bad news is your tumor is wrapped around what's called your inferior vena cava. Now your inferior vena cava is basically a central vein that goes to the bottom of your upper body to your heart. So we're gonna have to have a 12 hour surgery with three to four different surgeons involved. And we're gonna have to remove the tumor. We're gonna have to remove the vena cava. We're gonna have to remove the rest of the cancer and lymph nodes in your body. And um, they did so. It was an 11 hour surgery. And once they did so, my body basically shut down and went to what's called compartment syndrome. I started having massive, massive swelling. So going into that surgery, I was about 140 pounds. So I lost about 40 to 45 pounds. Coming out of the surgery, I was close to 200 pounds, 200 pounds of swelling. And, um, you know, within a week and a half, uh, it was supposed to drain. The doctor said the swelling should eventually drain, and it didn't. And one night, I just woke up with so much pain, got rushed to the emergency room, and they ended up having to drain seven liters of fluid out of my stomach. And that's where I went into all the complications, going into complete kidney and liver failure. I had a cone drilled inside my head to relieve potential brain swelling. I had a catheter in my neck because they thought I was going to be on, and my chest because they thought I was going to be on dialysis the rest of my life. Um, and that's when I fell into a two week non-induced coma and, you know, if it's okay, um, you know, I, I don't push faith on anybody, but, um, I do have a powerful story of faith and, and how it really, I believe changed my life. Um, and my mom, you know, I'm Christian, my mom would hold prayer services and she would basically have 
hundreds of people come to our, our local church and just pray for me. And we had people praying around the world too, like literally all around the world. And Lauren and my parents never left that room. They stayed with me every single step of the way. They never left it. And every day Lauren would come over, she'd hold my hand and she would just pray for me, pray for me to wake up, pray for me to start healing. And I'm not kidding you. As she's holding my hand, praying for me on the very last day in the middle of that prayer service was the day that I woke up from my coma. And for me, it was more like God saying, Matt, this isn't the end of your journey. This is just the beginning. And I guess my question to a lot of people who are listening right now, what is a rock bottom situation in your life that you are maybe currently going through or you have gone through and you felt like there's no way out? Because I promise you how I look at it is rock bottom is actually not necessarily a bad thing. It can be a new chapter, a new beginning to something so much greater in your life. Because guess what? The only place you can go from rock bottom is up. And that's how I kind of started looking at it. And, you know, um, unfortunately, though, I I was, you know, hopefully I was thinking, okay, I'm going to be done. This is close to being over. But it was it was just the, the beginning, though, of a lot of the setbacks still to occur. So, a week after, um, you know, they went to go take out one of the catheters in my neck and I ended up going into cardiac arrest. Um, they ended up having to do eight minutes yeah. of CPR on me uh, and I fell back into another one week coma. And here's where the real physical journey came into play. So I w- ended up waking up on about Valentine's Day. I'm now in the ICU for three weeks probably at this point. And I remember waking up and trying to move. I couldn't move my hands, couldn't move my feet, couldn't move anything. And that's why I had to really, that's why I realized I had to completely relearn to live my life again. And for a good, almost two weeks, it took me from laying in my bed to taking my very first steps again with four nurses every single day, consistently coming in to help me get up off of my bed, to sit down. And it was a slow step-by-step process. And like I told you, if I was constantly worrying about the future or what is, what had happened in the past, I wouldn't have been able to progress forward. I had to stay present. I think when people say, oh, be, you know, live in the moment, this is maybe an extreme example, but maybe this will get the point across to some people. You need to live in the moment. You need to take each day by what it gives you and use it to progress yourself forward. And eventually I was able to walk and, and I got out of the uh, ICU room after a little over a month. So, wow. yeah. It's quite a story. No, thanks. Yeah, I, I can go on a little bit if you need me to or if you have any questions. Um, yeah, we have the whole second segment that I, we have lots of time cool. to go into, you know, setbacks. But I really want to bring forth um, when we after we come back from our break, how you are changing people's lives by your outlook. And, um, you know, you talk about spirituality, you talk about your faith, and we've had people on the show. Uh, it's uh, I've had webinars uh, from my community. Uh, you and I both share something similar as we both have a Facebook community. And um, the, the power of energy, whether you are grasping that from what someone would call their God, um, whatever source you are looking to beyond your own self, when you're in times of such need, you know, when you feel that your strength is depleted, I understand how plugging it into your faith or to something beyond you is so necessary. Um, I've told my story many times. I, when I was diagnosed, I, I went into about two weeks of I did the why me and the whole nine yards. I too, I ate well. It was, you know, there was no indication that this should have happened to me. And it wasn't until I plugged into my faith that I said, head down, here we go. Whatever happens, happens. I'm going to give it my all, but I'm putting my faith and my belief in you. And I understand that power. That power is extraordinary. Uh, you are very lucky to have had your parents with you. And Laura, is Lauren still with you? She is. Yeah. She's Wonderful. like 10 feet from me, actually. So she's in her room, but. <laughs> you know, um, as I was going through my, I had to talk, my, my 
diagnosis and so forth and things I had to get done. Uh, I had to talk to somebody about, um, I wanted to get my eyebrows tattooed because I knew I was going to lose them and I had a little one. And I thought, you know, that might be a little bit scary for her. Um, And so I phoned somebody and she said, so do you need somebody to pick you up for the appointment? I said, no, no, my husband will drive me. She said, that's so refreshing because I can't tell you how many people lose their significant other when you're going through something like this. Uh, it's hard to do it alone. People have done it. But I think um, you telling your story, uh, I don't know about you, it took me a while to have the courage to tell my story. And then once I finally did tell my story, wonderful things like this podcast came to me and the radio show. Um, It's brave of you to tell your story. But I think you probably don't even realize the people that you have touched. I mean, you know, your community, but... um, Some people are just not big group people, but all people need some type of connection. So I, I commend you for telling your story because it is not an easy story. You know, struggles that we go through, whether it's uh, a diagnosis, whether it's a physical, um, a loss of somebody in your life, uh, it's a hard thing to tell. But uh, I've had one guest on the show who said, if I can tell my story and change one person's life, it's a life well lived. So my friend, At your young age, you have definitely had a life well lived many, many times. Um, I want to go to break and then let's talk about this wonderful group you've done and how you've helped people. So everyone will be back in a few minutes. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. To break every chain, break every chain. Break every chain. There is power. Come on. In the name of Jesus. Come on, you declare it. There is power. In the name of Jesus. There is power. There is power. In the name. In the name of Jesus. We know where it is. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Come on, say to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. 
You are listening to The Health Hub here on Radio Maria Canada. A Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking to Matt Odie. Matt, you've laid out um, the trauma that you've been through both physically and mentally. And as I alluded to, you have this wonderful Facebook group that I'm sure you look to uh, for support as well. Um, Is the road now straight ahead or do you continue to have setbacks and how do you use them uh, when you're inspiring other people? Absolutely. Um, Setbacks all the time. They're just different setbacks. Mm -hmm. But I will say this. Um, cancer has taught me so much about perspective and gratitude in life and that the little things that I used to get upset about or certain things now that, that would upset me in the past, I can now look back. So how I look at my past is I don't look at my past as something to dwell on. I look at my past as a lesson and how I use that is when I'm going through challenging moments in my life, I can instantly go back to a time and place where, I was in a much more difficult spot than I am now. And it instantly gives me some type of energy, perspective, and gratitude towards my day, allowing me to say, hey, listen, Matt, I know this is a scary thing that I might have to do. You know, maybe it's reaching out to somebody or doing something that is, you know, out of the ordinary that other people might judge you for. You have your own self-doubt. But I'm able to overcome that. And I'm able to break those barriers because I realized how important my time and my energy is on this earth. And if I'm going to waste my time with limiting beliefs, focusing on other people's opinions of me and having all of this fear in my life, all it's going to do is control me, create a more emotional, mental baggage in my life and never let me progress forward. So I will be honest with you though. It took me three months to have the courage to even start my Facebook group. So my Facebook group It was all about and is all about helping individuals, patients, survivors, and caregivers regain control of their life through their journey with cancer, through the mental, emotional, physical side. Because I knew, because after I was done, I'll backtrack here a little bit here, is, um, you know, when I was out of the ICU in in the, the hospital, it took me close to two years to just recover myself first. Before I can even think about helping others, before I can even think about sharing my story or any of that. It took me about two years to recover myself. I had to gain my weight back. I had to gain all those limiting beliefs. I had to eliminate all those limiting beliefs in my life. I had to gain the strength and the courage to express myself because I was a fit personal trainer for many years. And then all of a sudden, in a matter of eight months, I dropped down to 110 pounds. I had this massive lump over my stomach, which I used to have, you know, a six pack and and it used to be, you know, I had all this body image issues and and struggles that I was dealing with. And it took time. It took, like I told you, it took a lot of me um, opening up to certain people at first and working through those challenges. And then finally I could say, okay, after everything I've gone through, what is something that is meaningful to me? That is a challenge I overcame that I can give back to others that are facing in a similar direction as me. And I, that is exactly why I decided I needed to create this Facebook group. And I didn't create my Facebook group at first. It took me three months once I realized I needed to create a Facebook group. But before even that, it took me a full year of surrounding myself with the right people. Mm-hmm. And I want to really emphasize this. You are truly the average of the five people you hang around with the most, meaning If you are hanging around with people who are bringing you down or constantly having negative energy or or friends that only want to go out and drink on the weekends and talk about their glory days, that's where you're going to head in life. That's exactly where you're going to go. But if you have a bigger purpose, if you have a bigger meaning and you say, hey, listen, I went through something challenging in my life and I feel like I've been given a second chance, a greater purpose in my life, and I feel like I need to go this direction. You need to find like-minded people that are going to get you there. And I'm going to tell you right now, it actually wasn't me surrounding myself in cancer community groups at first. It was surrounding myself with entrepreneurs. And this is why, because an entrepreneur takes a massive problem, they solve it, and then they use it to help others. And I needed to get around those people to have the right mindset. So I started surrounding myself with those people. 
you need to start sharing your story. So that gave me the courage because I was around the right people to tell me I needed to. And then as I started sharing my story, that's where I eventually got into my Facebook group where I said, okay, it's time to make a community and build something that is extremely meaningful to me. And after three months of having all these limiting beliefs, eventually the right people influenced me to start this group. And now about seven months later, we have close to 4,500 members of cancer patients, survivors, and caregivers, all showing support, all showing love for one another throughout their journey with cancer. And I feel like I'm not, am I just a mentor in that group, but I'm a student as well. Mm -hmm. I'm learning so much from these people. And all I would tell somebody who's on their journey, if you are afraid of what could happen, you don't know what's next, you have no, you know, you're lacking clarity, just take action. Take what's called imperfect action. This is my best advice. Take what's called imperfect action, meaning taking action and being real and realizing that you are going to fail along the way. But your failure is not something you should be afraid of. Your failure is actually something that you should be excited about because failure is feedback. Failure is a way to grow and learn through your experiences. And that's how I've been living my life. And yes, I still have setbacks all the time. My next setback I have right now, I have limiting beliefs and I'm talking through it with people. And um, I know I'm going to break through it. It's just uh, a matter of me working through that and taking that imperfect action. So that is years kind of beyond your, uh, your, your advanced years beyond most people at your age. Um, and that is born of experience. You know, this, as you look back, as you get older, this is going to be a huge chapter in your life, part of a larger story. Absolutely. Um, you're a wonderful influence on people. And it's, it's, it warms my heart because, you know, I'm in this space as a profession and you do see all sides. And some people can get very bitter from diagnosis and it's, it's sad. Some people that I mentioned earlier, they don't want a huge community, but they may want to, you know, people in your community may not speak up as much but they're taking in what they're reading. So um, did you have to deal with PTSD and, and the like? Did you have to break through that? And are you, are you continuing to work in that space? Is it, is it a continual, like, for instance, I know for me, when my checkups come up, I have to step back, take a breath, and again, plug into something greater than me and thinking I've done pretty much all I can. Um, Hopefully this goes well. Do you have those thoughts or have you broken through uh, from, from them? Yeah, absolutely. I always have those thoughts. Um, but, you know, what's really, really helped me was, um, yeah, for, for those first two years, that famous word that you probably have heard mm -hmm. of is scanxiety. Mm -hmm. Afraid of getting checkups, afraid of reoccurrence. And for a lot of people, this is what I work through with them with is it's helping them through that emotional side of it because some people in the beginning, you're getting every three months, you're getting a checkup. And as soon as they're done with their checkup, it might be like a positive, like energy for a week or two, but then a, any little thing that happens can cause some more stress. And I'll tell you exactly what helped me get through this was taking all the burden and cancer away from me and stop focusing on myself and putting myself and all my experiences towards serving other people. And I look at it this way, when you're constantly serving and helping other people, remember, it's not like you have to do what I'm doing and what you're doing and helping massive communities. Maybe it's just being a better mother. Maybe it's just being a better father. Maybe it's being a better spouse. I don't know what it is, but giving back to something that's meaningful to you, it's, it's really challenging to be giving back and serving other people and then constantly worrying about yourself at the exact same time. So... I say this, take care of yourself first, take care of your health, number one, because if you're taking care of your health, it's going to boost your confidence, it's going to boost your energy, and you're going to know, like you said, I've done everything I possibly can to heal myself and, and get myself in the right direction. Once you've done that, serving other people is that next step, and it is going to put your attention, your time, energy, and attention towards more positive outcomes, towards more happiness in your life. I truly believe happiness and fulfillment does not come from yourself. I, I truly believe it comes from giving back to other people in a meaningful way. And um, when I was able to do that and start sharing my story and opening up, instead of me having months of worry before my checkup, now it's only, I'm at the point where three days is pretty much it. Mm 
-hmm. for three days, I'm, I'm worried. But after I get that, I don't let it define me anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's probably because I'm so focused on other people instead of myself. But I still make sure that I take care of the, my core things that is going to help progress me forward, my faith, my health, and my relationships. All of those need to get taken care of. And if I find myself lacking in those areas, I will have to spend a little bit less time maybe being able to serve others in the moment so I can take care of myself. Because mm -hmm. I truly believe that you need to be selfish in order to be selfish in, self, selfless in life. Mm -hmm. What that means is if you can't take care of yourself, how are others going to be able to be influenced and inspired and listen to you? It's almost like personal trainer, for example. If you have an overweight personal trainer who's unhealthy all the time, doesn't take care of his body, and is trying to give you advice on how to lose weight and um, be a healthier person, you're not going to listen to that person because you know that they haven't actually done the things that they needed to do to take care of themselves. So that's my best advice um, for helping people through the PTSD, through helping people through the anxiety. And I, ha I had that big time for, you know, two years. And that's when it really started to help me getting in front of the right people, helping others and taking care of my core values, which is my faith, my relationship and my health. Well, I, you know, I think being real is the best we can do for other people. Um, and, and, you know, it, it comes out in so many places now. There's so many social media, all these other uh, where you can stage yourself. And I think your best successes are when you're actually being real, you know, just because, um, you know, people are successful in conquering, um, whether it's disease or other problems. It doesn't mean that there's not residual effects. Uh, and I think that's important for everybody to know, uh, you know, vulnerability is very difficult but it's also a powerful tool for inspiring others. I, I really believe that. Now, what are you doing? Uh, you've got your Facebook group, but what are you doing as a profession now? Are you back at training? Yeah, so I'm trying to transition full-time into speaking and mentorship. That is my big objective. My, and then I have really big goals of like really impacting the, not just cancer community, but survivorship in general, mm -hmm. survivorship of traumatic experiences and helping people. But um, as of right now, I'm also a wellness instructor. So what I do is I work with a company where I create a healthy atmosphere. We have, um, I built a 3000 square foot gym for our 300 employees. We have um, 20 to 30 hours of personal training a week for them for free. And I'm a personal trainer for them. And then in addition, I do what's called like corporate challenges, meaning um, like step challenges, things like that. My whole objective is to create a healthy atmosphere for that company. Those corporate no. challenges are awesome, by oh, the way. They yeah. really they really up the accountability. You know, my sister's involved, has been involved in a couple of them. And, you know, it's like, oh, geez, I got to get out and get my steps up. And it really I, makes you accountable. I think they're awesome. We're doing one right now and we're using an app called Pacer. And it's really cool because we are doing a challenge where you get to use Google Maps. So we are doing a trip oh. around Yosemite. And, and yeah, sorry, Yellowstone, Yellowstone National Park. And it's like a challenge. So you have teams and we're racing around Yellowstone National Park. And it's really cool because as, as they're tracking their steps, they can go onto the app and they can see in Google Maps where they're How far at. They've gone. Yeah, that's excellent. That's yeah. really excellent. There's so, nothing so motivating as that. Um, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. You had something to say? Oh, no, you're good. Yeah. So I was just going to say that's where I'm at right now, but I am transitioning into full-time business owner. I am a business. I also do have my own business um, at my LLC. So I'm, I'm working on getting full-time into that because I truly believe God has given me this path to really go into this area, to go into the area of survivorship, to go into Absolutely. the area of helping other people in a bigger way than what I'm doing now. I love what I'm doing, but I know it's just not my absolute purpose. So that's survivorship is probably one of the most underserved areas in cancer care. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, uh, you, you finish chemotherapy, they tell you to ring the bell, and then you're kind of that transition. I, I'm, I've said this to a few people, and I'm still in the midst of it. I've done a show on it. But, um, you know, that space between end of treatment and stepping back into real life, that, that sweet spot there uh, needs to be nurtured. Um, people need to deal. Oftentimes, I don't, you can tell me this um, um, if, if it was true for you. You don't get a chance to deal as much as you need to with the emotional side and with the stress because you're so focused on what's coming up next physically in your treatment. And then when you're asked to transition back into to really, you've got this void of emotion that hasn't been dealt with. 
And that's a tough transition for a lot of people. You know, outsiders can tend to think that, okay, treatment is done. You're looking good. You're on the path. Let's have at it. It's not quite that easy. And I think this space of survivorship, uh, if you can, if you can get into it deeply as, as deeply as you like, I think it's, it's a great, great space to focus on. It really, really is underserved. I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, the one thing I've really realized with a lot of survivors is they feel alone. Yes. And, and I think the reason is, is because a lot of the people like their family and loved ones, they want the best for them, but they also feel like they need to go back to who they were before cancer. And that's just not the case. You know, right. you, you have your good qualities with you, but you're a different person in so many more positive ways, but you just don't, for me, I didn't know where to go. I felt lost. I felt alone. And it, until I surrounded myself with different people that were a similar mindset or in a community that I needed to be around, um, it finally allowed me to really get to that place in my life where um, a lot of that mental and emotional baggage could start to slowly diminish. And it takes time. I will tell everybody there, if you feel alone, I promise you're not alone because there's so many other people facing this with you. Um, and just know that, that this is not the end of your destination just because you're facing this. This is actually just a time and moment and you will get through this point. And um, when you do, I would, like I said before, your setbacks are truly a setup for something brighter and bigger in your life. So when you can get through that part, new barriers, new opportunities will come your way. And I truly do believe you'll find a greater sense of passion and um, purpose into your life. Mm -hmm. If you allow yourself to tell the story and to, you know, I, I, I know that there are people, myself included, who have um, what I kind of quote as um, caregiver guilt. Um, and, and what I mean by that is that you go through this, you really do rely, you know, a lot of people really do rely on their caregivers and you, you don't want to be that person anymore. And it's very difficult to try and be autonomous with yourself to try and take things back. But there's also, and I've talked to many people about this, is that they no longer want to be cared for. And that can be a really difficult thing. Uh, you know, on a personal level, I, there was at one point and I thought, he's, my husband's going to, he's going to go crazy. I keep asking him the same question over and over again. Um, and, you know, you've got Lauren and, and I had my husband and we are blessed, but there are a lot of people that um, have a hard time with this, but there are a lot of people that don't know how to go on, not just getting back into real life, but getting that autonomous self back again. And that's a very difficult thing to do. So much of the mental space happens you know, at the beginning of diagnosis, and then once you're through the treatment. Um, and thank you, you know, as someone who's in this space, thank you for what you do, because there's just not enough of you. Um, so I really do appreciate you being here. How can people, you know, are you inviting people into your Facebook group? Uh, these are all cancer uh, survivors or patients, or who are you attracting? Yeah, I would say anybody who's been impacted by cancer. So we even have caregivers in the group, because I found out that you know, from my experience, the more support of people who can relate in some way or another, it just, you know, it's all ages, it's everything. I could have gone niche where it's just young adult survivors, but I wanted to make a community where we all felt like, listen, I told you in the beginning too, cancer does not discriminate. It can hit you at any age at any point. So um, anybody who's been impacted by cancer can join my group. It's called Cancer Survivor um, Plus Patient. And it just says taking back your life from cancer. I can send you the link if you'd like. Um, and for anybody who's been impacted, please, I'd be happy to have you in the group because this group is, I got to the point now where even I post every day in the group, but if I didn't even post every day in the group, it would just consistently run because there's so much love, so much support. And the cool part about it is like you said before too, it's time for people to maybe open up. And I noticed this, that people will, the first thing they'll say is, I've been in this group for two to three weeks and haven't posted yet, but seeing X, Y, and Z's post or seeing this group has given me the courage to open up. And I think like you said, with vulnerability, when you're willing to share something that is difficult and you're willing to open up about it, other people are willing to do the same. So if you've been feeling struggling lately and, and, you know, needing to um, feel like you need somebody who you can relate to, please let me know and I'll get you into the group. And I promise you won't feel uh, as lonely in this journey. 
Wonderful. We'll have, I've got all your, um, your contact information, Facebook and website. So that will definitely be posted uh, when the podcast comes out right now, though, your website is uh, Matt. Sorry, I've got it written down here. MattOdiespeaks.com. Perfect. Right. And yep. then uh, the Facebook group, if we just um, looked for you in Facebook, would it lead us to the group? It might. If you might. direct messaged me, I can get you right in. Okay. So, All right. Um, either way, uh, my website, I'm actually going to be updating soon. So okay. um, by the time you post it, uh, it'll have my Facebook group in there. So it, it doesn't have right now, but it has all my other LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Perfect. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, what an inspiration you are. I wish you nothing but the best. Uh, the more successful you are, the more help you've be given, you'll give other people in need. So all the success uh, that I can wish upon you, I do. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you for allowing me to share to your audience. Have a great rest of your day, guys. You too, everybody. We'll talk to you next week on The Health Hub. to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.